get back on, even if you've been off for a week. Sorry. I don't know what happened last week. Last week happened last week, and I'm going to endeavor to do better now because last week I did not get a single We Tackle Life podcast released, and that is nobody's fault but the guy talking to you right now. And of course, my name is Bruce Hooley. This is the Bruce Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. I apologize. Penn State week came and went. Now I am back to talk about the Bengals and Browns losing, but thankfully Ohio State winning. We'll have some high school football talk, and we'll have a face segment at the end of the podcast. So thanks for joining. Appreciate it very much. Glad to have you guys with me. World Series is underway. I thought the Atlanta Braves last night, when they got out 4 to nothing, I thought, mm, they're going to blow this. Sure enough, they did. Didn't take them very long to do it. And now I'm convinced the Houston Astros will win the World Series. So by the time we get together again on Wednesday, we'll know whether or not the Braves clinched the title at least in Game 6. But for right now, they're headed back to Houston. And my buddy Scott uh, lives in Houston and uh, is a big Astro fan, as I would expect him to be, living in Houston. And uh, I don't like to be sideways with my guy, but I'm rooting for Atlanta in this series. Sorry, Scott hope you don't stop listening just because of that. Let me shout out my friends at Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. They do an awesome job. You'll get the best coffee you've ever tasted. You'll get it at a great price because you'll get 15% off when you use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps. WETACKLELIFE in all caps. Order online. HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Thailand, Indonesia, Nicaragua, Ethiopia. Great coffee. Paul's a very discerning buyer. And don't forget the chocolate from Hemisphere either. And um, it's non-GMO, sugar-free. Anything non that's good, it's that. Anything free that's good, it's that, except free to purchase. It's not free to purchase, but it is free of all the hormones and all the ugly stuff. So check it out. HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps. And yes, they still ship free on orders of $30 or more. All right, first of all, Ohio State's win over Penn State, 33-24. to 24. Not surprised Ohio State won. I would have been utterly shocked if they lost. I'm also not surprised that it was not a blowout, although had it been a blowout, I would not have been surprised. You never know what the mindset of another team is. Penn State had lost to Iowa and Illinois. They would not have lost to Iowa, in my opinion, if Sean Clifford had not gotten hurt in the late first half of that game, and they brought in one of the worst backup quarterbacks I've ever seen. There is no excuse for Penn State having a backup quarterback that bad, a guy who couldn't even reasonably perform a quarter of the playbook. Then they went out against Illinois at home, played Sean Clifford because they're not blind. They know their backup quarterback is terrible, and they can't stop the run. Illinois put nine guys on a line of scrimmage at one point who could have reached out and touched each other, and Penn State still played a four uh, a you know four deep look on defense, which, duh, no wonder Illinois ran the ball well. Brett Bielema must have got a good chuckle out of that when he watched the game film over in Champaign, Illinois. But uh, we got into overtime there, and you know what happened. Neither team could make a two-point conversion. By the way, I hate the two-point conversion in overtime. Uh, at the third overtime, I would start that about the fifth overtime, maybe. So Illinois beats Penn State. Now they're coming in off two losses. Here's the thing. I knew Penn State still had good defensive players. I saw them play at Wisconsin, and... Granted, Wisconsin's not what Wisconsin has been in the past, but still, to go up to Wisconsin and win and to make the plays that Penn State made at the end of that game, it told me they've got some good players, and they do. Now, I don't think it's a great sign for Ohio State that Penn State drove on them the way they drove on them in that football game. 
Uh, true confession, I did not get to watch it. I was covering high school football that night. I un- understand there were some bad calls. There were some no- non-holding calls, which would have certainly made it more problematic for Penn State to drive. But you can't count on those things, right? I mean, the thing you can count on is stopping the other team. And if you don't stop them and you leave it to the officials, sometimes the officials aren't going to intervene. And you can bemoan that, but it happens. And Ohio State, in my opinion, still has issues defensively. There was this grand sigh of relief when Ohio State beat Akron, Tulsa, Rutgers, Maryland, and even Indiana. I'm not, granted, the way they beat Indiana was an impressive way to beat Indiana, but Ohio State should beat Indiana that way. Like all five of those teams I just named, the five-game winning streak in the aftermath of Oregon, how many five-star athletes play for any of those five teams combined? If you combine the rosters of Akron, Indiana, Tulsa, Maryland, and Rutgers, could you come within three touchdowns of Ohio State? Probably not. Probably not. So Ohio State should beat those teams bad. Now, that's not a knock because there are games every week where you should beat a team bad and you don't. And a lot of confidence can be gained from beating a bad team by a big margin. And when you do it enough and you begin to believe you are something based upon your margin, many times you actually become what you believe you are based on that. Now, you can then get smacked in the mouth by a team that comes in and plays you better than you thought they could ever play you. That's what happened with Illinois and Penn State. That is what happens, I think, with a lot of teams around the country. It doesn't happen to Ohio State very often because the talent disparity is so great that Ohio State can afford to wake up at the end of the first quarter, wake up at the end of the second quarter, wake up at the end of the third quarter, and win the game. It's only when the game is against somebody like Oregon or against somebody like Oklahoma where they also have skilled athletes who can perhaps make your defense look a little bit bad, that's when it comes back to bite you. Typically, it will not come back to bite you in the Big Ten because Ohio State recruits better than anybody, although they'll have to be paying attention when they play Michigan State. They'll have to be paying attention mm, at least half the game when they play Michigan. They will have to be paying attention for half of a half against either Iowa or Wisconsin to win the Big Ten title. Will they have to be paying attention to beat Purdue? No, because the game's in Columbus. Will they have to be paying attention to beat Nebraska this week at noon? No, because Nebraska's awful. So Ohio State has gained out of this soft part of the schedule exactly what it wanted to gain. And I don't think there are ringing alarm bells because they had to play into the fourth quarter against Penn State. I actually like that they had to go into the fourth quarter against Penn State and play some consequential possessions because they don't play consequential possessions very often. After what? Their big intersectional game, that's it usually until they get in the playoff. So the consequential possessions they played against Penn State are a good thing. The way they answered the bell is a good thing. The way they made up defensive play and they were flawless pretty much on special teams, certainly kicking field goals, is a good thing. And here's what's going to have to happen for any team to beat Ohio State. You are going to have to score points, brother, because I don't see any way. I know. Georgia's good. I get it. I do not see any way. Any A-N-Y, any way, that any team keeps Ohio State from making a bunch of big plays on offense. There are just too many 
things to worry about. They are the college football offensive version of whack-a-mole. If Travion Henderson doesn't get you, Jeremy Ruckert will. And if they don't, Jackson Smith and Jigba will. And if they don't, Garrett Wilson will. And if he doesn't, Chris Olave will. Whatever hole you smack with your figurative defensive sledgehammer, a mole will pop up somewhere else who will make a big play against you. And so you will have to score, in my opinion, 30 points to beat Ohio State and maybe 35. Now, can Bama do that? Of course. Can Oklahoma do that? No, I don't think so. Could Cincinnati do that? Yeah, I think they could. Could Georgia do that? Maybe. Ohio State might not score 30 against Georgia. They might score 20. That, right now, is my playoff. I know. Oklahoma's undefeated. Yeah, oh, Caleb Williams is taking Spencer Rattler's spot. And they haven't missed a beat. I know. Michigan State, trendy. Kenneth Walker, blah, blah, blah. The playoff right now, in my opinion, and I think the um, rankings come out in the next week, maybe even tomorrow night. This is not in any particular order, but the four teams at the end of the year, I don't worry about the week to week. The four teams at the end of the year are going to be Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, Cincinnati. If Cincinnati is undefeated and Oklahoma is undefeated and Oklahoma gets a berth over Cincinnati, that is a joke. That is a joke. I don't care if Oklahoma is playing a conference championship game. I don't care if Oklahoma has the profile of a team that's been in the playoff a lot, maybe even more than Ohio State. I don't care because the Cincinnati Bearcats have been dominant all season long. They've won at Notre Dame. Oklahoma is not going to win a game as impressive as Cincinnati winning at Oklahoma. They're just not. Oklahoma may be able to put up a ton of points. They may be able to win their Bedlam game against Oklahoma State. I know they beat Nebraska, West Virginia, on and on and on and on. I get Baylor's ranked 14th and Iowa State upset. Who did they upset a couple weeks ago? I forget who it was. Anyway, Oklahoma State maybe. Doesn't matter. Cincinnati's a better team. I've watched them. Oklahoma cannot play defense like Cincinnati. So that's my four. Alabama, Ohio State, in no particular order. Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, and Cincinnati. And I think, look, if Georgia wins this SEC title game, Georgia's going to be one. Bama will probably be three. They'll make Georgia play Cincinnati. Bama, Ohio State is a national semifinal. Mm, That should have a pretty good vibe to it. It worked in 2014. If Bama wins, then I think Georgia will drop to three. And it'll be uh, Bama and Cincinnati and Ohio State and Georgia. That's where we are. I don't expect Bama to lose again. And if Bama does lose again, then the only thing that I think would be a little problematic is it's not fair to make Georgia beat Bama a second time if they beat them in the SEC title game. But it's hard to rank Georgia. It's hard to rank two-loss Bama ahead of undefeated Cincinnati. Or ahead of undefeated, or ahead of once beaten Ohio State. But don't put them past doing it. Don't put them past putting Cincinnati four undefeated against Georgia and Bama three and Ohio State two. Don't put it past them. Now, 
As for other college football games, the Michigan-Michigan State game. Everybody's saying that's a great game, and I, I get it. It was a great comeback. You know, Sparty scores two touchdowns, two two-point conversions. They get it done. Kenneth Walker's phenomenal. He is phenomenal. But you cannot lose a game that you are ahead of by 16 points. I know. I know the officials saw something on replay that wasn't there. I know that's a touchdown and not just a fumble by the quarterback down in the shadow of the Sparty goal line. I go, I get it. Did you get hosed, Michigan? Yeah, okay. Was your receiver held on the last play? Yes, he was. Were there other calls that were not good? Yes. You were in control of the football game. You could have stopped either two-point conversion to maintain the lead. You didn't either. You lost. And the reason you lost is because I will firmly believe, and you will never admit, but I just knew it. You were thinking about not losing. You were thinking everything that every team has ever thought up until whoever that was as a 16 seed that beat Virginia a couple years ago in the NCAA tournament. How many times do you see it? A 16 seed gets ahead of a one, and they got an eight-point lead, and they start looking at the clock, and they think, I wish those minutes could take away. I wish we could get this game over because I'm afraid we're going to blow this lead. And guess what happens? They blow the lead. It's happened. Every single time except once in NCAA tournament history. And you will never make me believe, no matter what Jim Harbaugh says about getting back up on the horse or any other cliche he wants to pull out of his khakis, you'll never make me believe that they weren't hearing footsteps when Sparty got within eight and when Sparty scored the touchdown, you could put the odds of Michigan State tying the game on another two-pointer at 95%. And once they tied that football game, they were going to win that football game. And Jim Harbaugh helped them by playing J.J. McCarthy, who he can't get over his fascination with J.J. McCarthy and all his many different skills, on the day that Cade McNamara, his quarterback, was playing the best he played all year, throwing the football. On the day, they found another threat to take the place of Ronnie Bell. On a day, they couldn't run the football for squat, Blake Corum or Hassan Haskins. They decide they're going to trickerate Michigan State by playing J.J. McCarthy, who just fumbled. And you put J.J. McCarthy on the field, and guess what? He fumbled again. Dumb. Dumb, Jim Harbaugh. I've been wrong on many things in my sports commentary career. I've been wrong on only one other thing as badly as I've been wrong on Jim Harbaugh. I said Trent Richardson would be a Hall of Fame running back with the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> All my Cleveland listeners are going, yeah, you did. I sure did. And he was not a Hall of Fame running back. He was nothing. He was a thousand yard rusher one year, but not very good. Any rate, Harbaugh I said, would be the Urban Meyer of Michigan. He would get Michigan rolling, and we'd have this amazing reincarnation of the 10-year war, Woody and Bo all over again, Harbaugh in the Bo role, Urban in the Woody role, and no. Urban 7-0 and against them, Harbaugh 0-2 against Ryan Day, soon to be 0-3. He's not the guy, Michigan. He's not the guy. And I think James Franklin is looking to get out of Penn State I think they've figured out that James Franklin is James Franklin is the Andy Dalton of coaches. He's good enough to keep your team in it, and he's good enough to keep the other team in it. 
and I think James Franklin wants to go to LSU or he wants to go to USC or he wants to go somewhere where he can get paid a lot of money because he doesn't think Penn State appreciates him. And you know what? Maybe they don't. Maybe the next guy will go in and do what Minnesota and Indiana thought they were going to do after Glenn Mason and Bill Mallory. They thought they were going to get to the next level, and they got to the next level down. Maybe Penn State is never going to be able to keep pace with Ohio State. But I think you got to try, and you're not ever going to get there with James Franklin. You're just not. So Penn State might be looking, and Michigan needs to be looking. And I would think one of the two of you has got a really good shot at Matt Campbell from Iowa State. Masselin guy, not flashy, perfect for Penn State, perfect for Ann Arbor. One of you is going to get to Matt Campbell before the other. And boy, I feel I pity the fool as athletic director who lets the other school hire Matt Campbell away from Ames, Iowa, because that will be a big-time, big-time fail. Of course, I said the same thing about Harbaugh, and look what happened. Okay, time to extol the virtues of my friends at auiinfo.com. auiinfo.com. You see the new commercial on TV for the uh, crazy old lady who's like the where's the beef lady from years ago? This time, though, the lady's talking about health insurance. I can't hear you. What are you Where's my health insurance? She's advocating for a Medicare Advantage company of some sort. Good for her. I'm sure the company's fine. Here's what I know. If you pick a company off a TV commercial, you are limiting your options. Why do that? AUIinfo.com is a health insurance brokerage. What do brokerages do? They handle a lot of different entities. If you're a health insurance brokerage, guess what you handle for 200 Alex? Yes, you handle health insurance companies. And you get paid by those health insurance companies, not by the person clicking on auiinfo.com. No, no, you give that information to that person free. How can you make any money off that, Bruce? Well, the insurance company is looking for what? New customers. Yes. So if auiinfo.com brings them a new customer who evaluates the information auiinfo.com gives them, and you pick that company, the company says, thank you, AUI. May we pay you for the right to represent this person with health insurance coverage? And AUI says, yes, you will pay us, but the person will not. So their service is always free to you as an individual. It's always free to you as an individual business owner if you want to line up health benefits for your employees. AUIinfo.com is always a free service to you. It's just not free to the companies that you choose. You heard that, right? You choose it to do business with. So click on it. Make it happen, particularly now during open enrollment for individual health insurance, AUIinfo.com. Now we switch to the NFL. Oh, and this is where it gets painful. The Cleveland Browns lose at home to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, I warned you about this, Browns fans. I said, after you beat Denver on Thursday night with Case Keenum in there, game managing himself to a W, that you better not sleep on Pittsburgh, and Cincinnati's legit, and if you lose your next two, you're done. You're halfway through the season, more than halfway, and you're under 500. Well, you haven't lost in Cincinnati yet. That's this weekend, but you're 4-4. Four and four. Baker Mayfield has six touchdown passes and three interceptions. Now, he has played seven games, not eight. And I don't blame Baker Mayfield entirely. Did you hear that word? I don't blame Baker Mayfield entirely for the loss to the Steelers. But the offense put up 10 points. 
They put up 10 points. And I hear people go, well, they're not the same team without Kareem Hunt. Really? They're not the same team without their backup running back? Yes, I know Kareem Hunt is phenomenal. And I've said before, nobody runs as angry as Kareem Hunt. And of course you miss Kareem Hunt. Gee, it's too bad they don't have a backup running back like, I don't know, Dearness Johnson who can go in there and gain, oh, I don't know, 100 yards against the Denver Broncos. Please, don't give me Kareem Hunt's injury. Lost him the game. Did it help? No. Is it the reason they lost? Of course not. 10 points against the Steelers? One touchdown? You have Beckham, you have Jarvis Landry, you have Hooper, you have Njoku, you have Higgins and Chubb, and still you can't get in the end zone twice against the Steelers who don't have a kicker because he got hurt on a fake field goal attempt? Come on. Look, how many times do you have to see the Cleveland Browns in a game needing a touchdown late to win the game, not get said touchdown, and continue to tell me that Baker Mayfield is an elite quarterback. He's not. He's a quarterback. Capable more so than many. Not good enough to win a Super Bowl right now. And right now is all that matters in the NFL because now Jack Conklin's hurt. And you're not going to have Odell Beckham forever. You are always losing key pieces. Look at the Kansas City Chiefs. Their right now was last year. And now they appear to have missed their right now. And look out, right? Look out. So the Browns in this division... With the Ravens and the Bengals, and yeah, the Steelers are still breathing. It's a long slog back from four and five. You better win this game in Cincinnati, or I think you start calling around going, "Mm, what's this guy worth? What's this guy worth? What's this guy worth? Because it might be time to cut your losses and position yourself for 2022 and beyond. So the loss was not all on Baker. I know Landry dropped a pass. I know Odell didn't sell out for a ball. Then again... I don't have a lot of sympathy for my team when you prioritize knuckleheads. Guess what you get at the most inopportune time? Knucklehead behavior. Now, typically dropping a pass is not knucklehead behavior. Getting a stupid penalty for celebrating or something like that is knucklehead behavior. Jarvis Landry's done that a couple years ago. I remember he celebrated, got in some guy's face. I think it was against the Dolphins because it was his old team and they disrespected me. By trading me. And he got a penalty after a touchdown. They missed the extra point. They got down to the end of the game, and they almost needed that extra point to win. Knucklehead behavior. All this preening and posing and prancing around that he and Beckham do. Remind me again. Like, one playoff win. That's what they got for all this, okay? Great. The playoff win was nice. I know it was Pittsburgh. I get it. But you're in position to beat the Chiefs, and you didn't do it. You've been in position to beat a couple of other teams since then, and you didn't do it. And I'm beginning to wonder if they're going to do it. Because when you tell people that you have a great team, fantastic team, look at our team on paper, I'd rather look at them on the turf. I'd rather look at them on the grass. Because I remember the Philadelphia Eagles were a super team once with Namdi Asamoah and Vince Young and 
Donovan McNabb, everyone, and they stunk and couldn't make the playoffs. And it doesn't look right now like the Cleveland Browns are going to make the playoffs either. As for the Cincinnati Bengals, inexcusable to lose to the New York Jets when you're up 11 in the fourth quarter. The Jets scored 34 points. They had not scored 34 points in over a season, and they did it with their backup quarterback. Come on, Bengals. Just when I start to toot your horn about what a transformative team you are with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Logan Wilson and all these guys, you go out and lay that kind of an egg against the New York Jets, you win that game. You got the Browns coming to Cincinnati and a chance to lead the division. I mean, just incredible that you would let that game slip away. Now, I know, terrible call. I don't dispute that was a terrible call on the helmet-to-helmet contact. What that official is thinking, I have no idea. Well, he's thinking, oh, i got to protect these guys. Football's a really violent game, and I don't dare let anybody get their head bumped. Yes. Sorry. You cannot do that. Cannot make that call on a third down play that was going to give the ball back to the Cincinnati Bengals. But they made it. And now the Bengals are five and three and the Ravens are five and two. And we'll have to see where we go from here. But my guess is the more focused team, the team I would bet on having its mind on its business Sunday in Cincinnati are the guys in the goofy tiger striped helmets, the Cincinnati Bengals. And think of what I'm saying when I say that. A team with Joe Mixon on it is the more focused team, <laughs> okay? So they don't have Pac-Man Jones and Vontez Perfect and any of those guys, but still, Focus and the Cincinnati Bengals uh, are not two terms that typically go together very well. Uh, now, I want to drop in a little high school football here because uh, I love high school football. I've been covering high school football for PressProsMagazine.com. Great site. Check it out. If you're into high school football throughout the state of Ohio... I just like uh, cool stats and success and communities coming together and a lot of stuff like that. And so uh, here's just a few random things on high school football. First of all, shout out to Garen Stokes and the Dublin Shamrocks, the Dublin Kaufman Shamrocks. They beat Dayton Wayne, Braxton Miller High, on a Hail Mary on Saturday night. Mason Mags to, I think, Trey Hederly with the catch. So that was pretty cool. Uh, 16 teams in each region now in the high school football playoffs. And the thought was, oh my goodness, a 16 seed against a one, it's going to be a bloodbath. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much was. Here are some of the scores from the ones in the biggest school division and the second to biggest school division. 49 nothing Lakewood St. Ed over one and nine Lorraine. 49-7, Marysville over Delaware Hayes. 56 to nothing, UA over Thomas Worthington. 36-14, Moeller over Oak Hills. In Division Two, Medina Highland, 57-0 over Toledo 8. And Piqua, 49-7 over Little Miami. Now, there were two close games in Division Two with the ones in the 16s. Uh, 26-13, Benedictine. That's Jerome Baker's alma mater. 26-13 over Firestone. And Big Walnut beat Olin Tangy, 24-20. Those are two neighborhood rivals. So uh, that was a little closer than I thought, but Big Walnut got that done. But high school football is amazing, and Press Pros this weekend, we are covering a rematch. UA's 10-0. UA beat Reynoldsburg in a season opener by one point. Carson Greesock had 382 yards rushing for UA. 
Um, he'll make somebody a really nice Mac running back, I think. And Reynoldsburg was ahead in that game by 21 points and blew it. So that's going to be an interesting rematch. Uh, Reynoldsburg at UA. That game is a Friday night. Marysville should absolutely blast Perrysburg. Uh, Pick Central plays Hilliard Bradley. I think Pick Central will blast Bradley. Gahanna Lincoln against Pick North. That'll be close. That'll be a close game. So elsewhere over in Western Ohio, that's where I uh, go in the playoffs to cover some games. I've covered some Central Ohio games this year. Uh, the, the league that gets all the pub, and it should get all the pub, is the Midwest Athletic Conference. Now, listen, you don't even have to know who's in the Midwest Athletic Conference, okay? Listen to this track record of success from the Midwest Athletic Conference. This is the league that has St. Henry and uh, Versailles, Minster, um, Marion Local, which wins Division Six VI and Seven a lot. So these are this is a football league, okay? This is a <laughs> this is an amazing football league. All right. So the Midwest Athletic Conference has won at least one high school football state championship 17 of the last 18 years, okay? At least one team in that league has won a state championship. Over that span, 18 years, its 10 members have won 27 state championships. So 27 state championships in 18 years. (laughs) <laughs> the league's record in state championship games over that span is 27 and 10. So they played 37 state championship games in 18 years. Do the math. An average of two teams plus a year play for a state championship out of that 10-team league. It's not a 32-team league like the OCC. It's a 10-team league. But the balance is the amazing thing. Well, it's all amazing. Nine of the 10 different schools have won titles over the last 18 years. Nine. Seven of the last nine years, the MAC has had at least two teams play for a championship. I told you they average two teams playing for a championship. How is that possible? Because three times in 2014, and I thought it was twice. Three times the MAC has had three teams. Two times the MAC has had three teams play for a title in the same year. In twenty in twenty fourteen. No, here we go. Twenty fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen. The MAC had three teams play for state titles each year. Three three teams. Three teams out of an eight-team league. Coldwater, Minster, Marion Local in Division Five, Six, and Seven in twenty fourteen. Coldwater, Marion Local, Fort Recovery in 2015, Division 5, 6, and 7. Coldwater, Marion Local, Minster in 2016, Division 5, 6, and 7. So there you go. That's uh, Anna won a state title in 2019. New Bremen won one in 2020. Coldwater, Marion Local. It's just on and on and on. Amazing league. An amazing league. And I love high school football. And so uh, that's what I'm doing. Four more weeks of playoffs, state championship games at Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium. It's going to be a great show. Hope you enjoy it. Go to Canton and watch the games, December 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. Get a hotel room, watch the games. Go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Eat at the great restaurants in Canton. Click on visitcanton.com to find all your lodging, entertainment, and um, dining options. Visitcanton.com. Great, great, great place to go. All right, final ad read. 
Remember my friends at Willis Spangler Starling, great attorney firm, one that's growing, one that's growing because they, does it, they do a great job. Willis Spangler Starling located on Truman Boulevard in Hilliard, right north of Mill Run and Target. They are phenomenal. You will not be sorry. Wills estate planning, probate, personal injury, social security disability, all the biggies handled with expertise and acumen like no other and just down-to-earth good folks. WillisAttorneys.com, WillisAttorneys.com. Don't know if you can hear my dog barking in the background, but um, maybe she's excited for the faith portion of the podcast. I know I am because I have a little story to tell you, a little story that is meant to inspire you, that is meant to be a call to action for all of us who endeavor to be men of faith, for all of us who endeavor to be great fathers and great husbands and have um, consequential impact on our friends and on others. And I want to tell you about a man who I did not know well, but who impacted me greatly. This is not a sports hero. This is not an entertainer. It's not an actor. It is just a guy. He's just a guy. My good friend lost his father this past week. And his father's name was Harold. And I knew Harold a little bit from seeing him at cookouts and things like that that my friend would host. And I would graduation parties and, you know, instances in my friend's child, uh, children's um, high school careers. I would go and share in that with my family. We're friends with their family. And at these uh, intermittent gatherings, I would see Harold. And uh, he was a nice man. And I always wanted to spend more time with him. He's Retired, I'm busy, didn't have a lot of time, which, um, you know, now, of course, I wish I had done that, but it just uh, didn't seem to happen on our schedules. Nevertheless, I remember one time five, six years ago, maybe four years ago, I went to a high school basketball game to watch my friend's niece play. And while I was at that game, I read the story of uh, Worthington Christian High School how it started, how the school started. And much to my surprise, because my friend is humble and had never told me this, um, his father, Harold, committed to sending his four children to Worthington Christian when the school began. Now, if you follow sports in Columbus at all, if you followed it at all high school sports for the last, I don't know, 30 years, you know that Worthington Christians had pretty good sports teams. Really good boys basketball, girls basketball, golf, soccer, really good. Well, that's not how it was way back when Harold decided to send his kids to Worthington Christian. It was, according to my friend, like going to Sunday school. And there were actually kids crying in the classroom, in the elementary school. That was all they started with, grade six and down. And then they just progressed every year. And as I was reading this story about this journey of uh, Worthington Christian from modest beginnings, I realized that Harold took a huge leap of faith to educate his children. He was an educated man. He was a highly educated man and a talented professional. And he would have certainly understood the possible cost of sending his children to a school where the academics were not up to the same degree of standard as the public school system that he pulled them out of to send them to Worthington Christian. 
Now, this is not a commercial for Worthington Christian. This is a commercial for a man who felt a call in his heart to do something. It was a matter of conviction, and he followed his conviction. Now, let's fast way forward to where his kids who went to this little fledgling church school in grade school, now they're grown people. They have big families. They have grandchildren. And I get to watch this across the years and see what this decision years ago by Harold has wrought. Four very happy families with closeness and love and devotion and a large extended family that paid respects to Harold's humble yet powerful life the other day. Okay, great. You've seen that before, right? Yeah, this guy was a good guy, and he had a great family, and phenomenal. What's new about that, Bruce? What's new about that, in my understanding, is that as I think about decisions we have made in our life for our girls, and as I think about things I have experienced, I realize that a lot of the great experiences that I have as a father and as a husband are experiences that grew out of a decision completely, you would think, unrelated to me at all that Harold made years ago. We became advocates of homeschooling our girls because of my friend, Harold's son, and how impressive his children were when we met them. Back at a time where if you'd have told us we were going to homeschool, I'd have laughed in your face. (laughs) Sure, I'm not turning my kid into one of those homeschool nerds, I thought. Then I've met these young people, and I'm like, they're really impressive. They look you right in the eye. They're not afraid. They're super confident. That's the kind of mannerism I want my children to project. Maybe there's something to this homeschooling. And my wife and I were praying for a certain thing to happen with one of our daughters. And all of a sudden, homeschooling became the answer to that question. And they have flourished as homeschool kids. And they have flourished now going, guess where? You guessed it, Worthington Christian. It's not a commercial for Worthington Christian. It's my effort to pay homage to a man who has transformed big chunks of our life by his faithfulness to God. And I think that's what it's about as believers in Jesus, is for us to make the world a better place by decisions we made that were not made with any kind of chest pounding or spotlight shining on ourselves. Hey, look at what I'm doing over here. Wow, you ought to do it too. There was none of that in Harold. He just did what he did and his family, head down, breathe in, breathe out, one foot in front of the other, lived a life that inspired other people to emulate them, inspired me to emulate them, And what I realized, this new perspective on two scriptures. Jesus said one time, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone invites me in, invites me in, I will come in and fellowship with him. Harold invited Jesus into his life. He invited Jesus into his life. And when you do that, when he did that, it opened up a whole bunch of possibilities, a whole different life to Harold and his family that they would not have known had he not invited Jesus in. 
But guess what? I got to experience that life too. So I picture it like when you invite Jesus into your life and you open that door that he's knocking on and you invite him in, then there are other doors that as you follow him, there are doors, there are vistas, there are avenues, there are pathways to other amazing experiences in life that you wouldn't have gotten to experience unless you had opened that door and invited him in. And I got to experience those things too because Harold experienced them first. And in that vein, the other scripture that this makes me think of, this whole experience, is when Jesus fed the five loaves and the two fishes, he multiplied something that appeared to be very insignificant, and yet it fed thousands and thousands of people. And Harold's decision to send his kids to that school and to go to, the, go to a certain church and to live his life a certain way and to do all those things was not uncommon. But I saw at his memorial service how that decision has resonated across decades. And it made me think of the scripture, in my house are many rooms. There are a lot of rooms a lot of people never get to go into in this life. Because they don't invite Jesus in, and he doesn't open up those vistas and avenues to those other rooms. So I just wanted to share that with you as a way of inspiring you. This is why we obey the scriptures. This is why deeds matter. This is why works matter. Because they inspire other people. Not because they earn you anything. Because your works inspire other people. They're a witness to other people. And Harold's works, his obedience, his following Christ, his answering that door, when God knocked on it, I've been blessed by that. I've been blessed by that. And I think you will be blessed by it too. There's so much instruction in the Bible, so much wisdom, so much comfort and direction. And if you choose to ignore it, okay, you can. But I assure you, you will be missing a much richer life here, here on earth, and certainly eternally. So with that, it's nice to be back. Send me an email, wetacklelife at gmail.com, wetacklelife at gmail.com. And you can also review the podcast on iTunes. That would be nice. Give us a five-star review. Give us a six-star review if you can. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. Have a great Monday. Talk to you Wednesday on the We Tackle Life podcast.